Steve, thank you so much. Uh, it is, I mean this, uh, such a privilege uh, just to be together, to be with you, uh, to experience just partnership in the gospel. And uh, we just look to you and uh, are thankful to God for uh, that kind of fellowship. Our church right now is going through uh, the book of Philippians, and, and I've been uh, just sort of studying and enamored with Paul's teaching on koinonia, his word for fellowship. And uh, he says, standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And I learned that that was a gladiator term. You're in the arena, you're side by side, you're back to back. And uh, I love that idea of partnership, and we sure feel that way about you guys and, and are thankful for uh, your faithfulness to preach the gospel and uh, uh, to preach Christ. And so it's a real privilege for us to be here. Uh, my passage is out of 2 Timothy chapter 4. You can turn your Bibles there. I want to read this passage to begin with. The Apostle Paul, uh, speaking to Timothy, says this, 2 Timothy 4.1, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. This morning, I want us to consider and think about the importance and necessity of preaching. COVID-19 was, I think, a reset in many different ways. I think the coronavirus has scrambled the eggs of a lot of pastors and a lot of churches. Physically and spiritually, many people have not recovered. A little over a year ago, it's hard to believe, a little over a year ago, there was hardly a church in all of Colorado that was physically meeting together. So many uh, unknowns. Uh, Do we meet? Do we not meet? Do we live stream? How do we live stream? What if people become addicted to live stream? Uh, What if people prefer to stay home and live stream even after the pandemic? Uh, Do we live stream the Lord's Supper? Why or why not? Well, there's no question in my mind that as we look back on 2020 and, and 2021 and this season of COVID that the primary theological doctrine that will rise to the top of all others is the doctrine of ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church. Uh, COVID-19 became really a battleground for healthy ecclesiology and really revealed and exposed what many people believe about the nature and the importance of church. I think it exposed and crystallized certain things. It revealed what what people believe about the importance of shepherding and the care of the Lord's flock. It revealed what we believe about the purpose and mission of the church. It also revealed what we believe about the role and significance of preaching is. And this morning, I want you to see that Paul's charge to Timothy touches on some of those questions. And I want to show you that the importance of and the role of preaching the Word of God hasn't changed. And I want, to, I want you to see that the loss of biblical preaching and exposition is, quite honestly, the quickest way to apostasy and the perversion of the church. 
There is a very real danger to the church that loses and sidelines the ministry of preaching. And this is not unique to Highlands. I, I said something similar to our own assembly of, of the Lord's people. There is a danger for us on misfocus and misemphasis. And my message, message to you is simply this. In this season of resetting and refocusing, don't succumb to pandemic paralysis. We mustn't neglect listening to and applying the Word of God. We mustn't neglect preaching the Word of God. We need to maintain a passionate commitment to be faithful to preach the Word. So this morning I've got a very modest goal. I want to articulate the problem and the solution. First of all, the problem. One of my favorite preachers is Martin Lloyd-Jones. He died uh, coincidentally about 40 years ago. He was a medical doctor turned preacher in Great Britain out at Westminster Chapel, but he famously said, we've somehow got a hold of the idea that error is only that which is outrageously wrong. And we do not seem to understand that the most dangerous person of all is the one who does not emphasize the right things. I think that's right. There is a real danger to misemphasizing and misfocusing in the church. And of course, this has always been True, but you could make the case it's more true now than ever. Uh, a number of years ago, I had the privilege of meeting Dr. Bruce Ware, professor of theology at uh, Southern Seminary. He's a top scholar, theologian. He was speaking at uh, Bethlehem Baptist Pastors Conference, John Piper's Conference, and he happened to be that year the president of the ETS, the Evangelical Theological Society, and and I had a chance just to quickly ask him a question. I said, in, in light of your role at the ETS, uh, what do you think is the biggest problem in the evangelical church today? And I'll never forget his response. He sort of threw his head back and, and said, oh, there are many. Pick a doctrine and it's under attack, like little brush fires. He said 20, 30 years ago, this was not the case. But today, almost every doctrine is under attack. And that's certainly true with the doctrine of ecclesiology. I think of the amount of material in the Old Testament and New Testament on false teaching and protecting the Lord's people. It's unbelievable. Uh, from Moses to the prophets to Jesus and the apostles, there's an amazing emphasis on protecting the people of God. Jesus says in Matthew 7, beware of false prophets. Uh, listen to Paul's words in to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20. He says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. He says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw the disciples away after them. That happened about five years later in Ephesus. Paul says to the church in Galatia, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Let me ask you a question. Seriously, has anything changed? Does the plague or a pandemic change the importance or priority of this? Is false teaching still a problem? Do the sheep still need to be fed? Are the commands to guard the flock still relevant? There's a couple of years ago, I had a chance to give some lectures on the importance of expository preaching at a seminary, and it was a part of a consortium of about a half dozen folks who 
uh, we're asked to just give a short little lecture on what it means to teach verse by verse, expository preaching uh, through the Bible. And after my turn, it was another man's turn, and, and he happened to be an adjunct professor at the seminary. And his particular assignment was to challenge the audience of preachers with this. What's, what's one thing you would say to the next generation of preachers? And his main point was to take risks. Now, he gave some examples. Some of them were very good. Most of them had to do with style. And then he said something that made me almost fall off my chair and give me a heart attack. He said, I want to encourage you to take theological risks. I'm thinking, did I hear him correctly? Take theological risks? Here's an evangelical school and the professor's tasked with giving the students one big takeaway. And the one big takeaway is to take theological risks. And immediately I was thinking of Paul speaking to Timothy. Timothy, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. If I could give you just one big takeaway, one lesson for your ministry, it's this, Timothy. Take theological risks. No, Paul says to Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and instruction. Timothy, I want you to actually rebuke and refute certain teachers who've taken the liberty of taking theological risks. My friends, there's never been a greater need for clear biblical teaching. Never been a greater need for theological clarity. For courage in the pulpit. Timothy, don't be ambiguous. Be clear. Satan is ambiguous. Satan muddies the waters. Satan invents ambiguity that leads people to hell. Timothy, your job is to be as clear as you possibly can. Timothy, you guard the, de- the faith. You guard the deposit. You guard it like a mother bear. And you don't let anyone in Ephesus take theological risks. Timothy, don't spend all your time on conspiracy theories or majoring on genealogies. Timothy, you preach the Word. There's a tremendous need for preaching, Timothy. So how does the church, Big C Church, combat this? How do we emphasize the right things? How do we protect the church from all the nonsense we see today? What's the solution? Well, listen to what Paul says again. Let me read it again. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom. Talk about teeing it up. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. So what's the solution to wandering off into myths? What's the solution to misfocus? What's the solution to false teaching and bad doctrine? Misemphasis even on good things. What's the solution to the tsunami of secularism, of feminism and and homosexuality and transgenderism trying to get a foothold into the church? What's the solution to worldliness? What do we do? Well, the answer is, according to Paul, the clear teaching and explanation of the Word. That's the answer. There's never been a greater need for this, to just be clear and simple. Guy King said it well. I I am personally of the opinion, he said, that one of the causes of weakness in the churches today is the vital, is the virtual disappearance from our pulpits of sound, steady, scriptural, expository teaching. 
And that a widespread return to that desirable practice is essential to the solid building up of our members in the faith. He's right. That's exactly right. It's exactly what Paul's saying. It was a call for preaching, for biblical, passionate, clear preaching. And by the way, this has always been God's plan and his solution. COVID or no COVID, preach the word. Snow or no snow, preach the word. It's what, it's what people need. This is his plan, and it's always been his plan. I want to show you this in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, you know that the Lord gave Israel the law. And in Deuteronomy 17, the Lord gives laws for the kings of Israel. It's really interesting. The first instruction concerning a godly leader or the, or the king was that he was to be a man of the word. He was not to be like other kings. He was to actually make himself, write out for himself a copy of the law, which would be an enormous amount of work. He was to know the word of God and he was to teach it to the people. It's interesting that one of the major failures of Israel was that she forgot the law. Hosea 4 verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And because you've rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you've forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Eesh. Jeremiah 3.15, God says, I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. The whole, the whole analogy of sheep and shepherd emphasizes this point. Without the shepherds, sheep quickly get lost. They're without pasture. They're without water. Author and pastor Charles Jefferson put it this way. He said, everything depends on the proper feeding of the sheep. Unless wisely fed, they become emaciated and sick and the wealth invested in them is squandered. When Ezekiel presents a picture of a bad shepherd, the first stroke of his brush is he does not feed the flock. Shepherd leaders need to know the word, model the word and teach the word. Then you get to the New Testament. Jesus places a really high emphasis on teaching. When Jesus left this earth, he gave the Great Commission. And one of the essential elements of the Great Commission was teaching. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, he says. Just think about this. The, the, the Great Commission is largely about education. This is something we need to be effective in. First spotlight into the early church in, in the book of Acts is is the education, a fifth of the book of Acts is sermons. Uh, they devoted themselves, Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Acts demonstrates this over and over. It's true of all revivals. A return to the Word of God. Ephesians 4.11 and 12, Christ gives His plan for the church and the, the apostle envisions that through teachers, the saints would be equipped and prepared for their work in ministry. Your work in ministry. They're to hear the Word of God, be taught the Word of God by some teachers, and then do something. Apply it. The ministry of the Word is so foundational that the overseers, the pastoral elders, are actually required to know it. And be able to teach it. And in what might be the most important of the biblical qualifications for pastors, Paul says in Titus 1.9, he needs to hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so he can give instruction in sound doctrine 
and refute those you contradicted. The Lord is essentially saying, that's required in my church, which I've purchased with my own blood. Leaders who know the Word, who can defend sound doctrine and are able to teach it, that was and is essential in the church of Jesus Christ. God requires that His leaders know the Word and adhere to orthodox biblical teaching. So if the problem is misemphasis and misfocus, and the solution is to teach and communicate and prioritize as a, as a congregation the Word of God and the teaching of the Word of God, then our ministry philosophy needs to have a high view of Scripture and the communication of that Scripture to feed the flock. Because Scripture is how the Lord leads and feeds His church. Uh, preaching the Word of God, it's sufficient. It addresses everything. It addresses the radical individualism we see uh, today in selfishness. There's a great new book that just came out. Uh, Carl Truman, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. He articulates this. We're seeing it today. This, this rise of the self in, in living color all over the news today. Preaching the Word addresses that. Preaching the Word of God addresses the, the need for pastoral care and biblical shepherding and koinonia, the, the fellowship of the Lord's people, the partnership of churches one to another. The Word of God addresses the need for the Great Commission that your neighbors need to know who Jesus is. And so do the nations. The Word of God addresses that. And without the clear exposition of the Word of God, churches are just prone to its own proclivities, prone towards fads, prone towards worldly methods and pragmatism. Without it, we will drift into, you name it, wokeism, pragmatism, liberalism, cowardice, silence. Friends, we have been given a great commission by our Lord. And the great commission is largely about getting the word out. It's about teaching people to observe all that Jesus taught this is the primary occupation of the church, not social justice, which, by the way, social justice is great, but we're not the Boy Scouts or the Rotary Club. We're people of news, people of proclamation. And this proclamation must happen in the church as well as outside the church. We don't graduate from the gospel. Amen? Kevin DeYoung said it well in his book, The Mission of the Church. He said, it's not the church's responsibility to right every wrong or meet every need, though we have biblical motivation to do some of both. It is our responsibility, however, our unique mission and plain priority, that this unpopular, impractical gospel message gets told, and that neighbors and nations may know that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that by believing they may have life in His name. Amen? This is our job, right? We've been given a commission by our Lord to do this thing. So Timothy, preach the Word and make sure the Word is taught. We have news, and it's good news of great joy for all the people. Praise God. But here's the deal. The Great Commission is about moving people from information to transformation. Jesus is teaching them to observe. It's a really funny story. I mentioned the ETS. Coincidentally, 
every other year they meet. It's a group of scholars. These are the sharpest you know, guys who, who study and teach, and, and every other year they meet. And they had a conference, or they have a theme every time they meet, and this particular year the theme was on the Great Commission. And so they sent out what had to be tens of thousands of dollars of flyers and mailers and advertisements. And, and the theme was teaching them all things, keying off the Great Commission. Well, then someone, I'd love to know who, but someone pointed out they made a mistake. Jesus doesn't say teach them all things. He says teaching them to obey all that I've taught and commanded. Teach them to obey, not just teach them. Look, folks, the Lord is not looking for uh, robots. He's not looking for information to be just transmitted, transmitted to robots. The Lord's looking for transformation, obedience, and application. So let's not just be good theologians, let's be good, let's be good teachers who apply the Word. And, and teachers who apply the Word uh, to, to a, a certain standard of teaching that our Lord taught and commanded. This is why we gather together on a Sunday morning and hear God's Word. Essentially what we're doing is we're hearing it read in different ways, we're hearing it preached, and we're saying, even if we don't say it out loud, oh, that's what the Lord says, that's what the Lord want, wants me to do, I'll do that. I'll adjust in that way. I'll think differently now. The Word of God calibrates us and galvanizes us. But the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. We just do, all of us. We have a... a, propensity to want, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. We just are prone in this way and that way. The word of God keeps us central. It directs us to Christ. He's the way, the truth and the life. And if you want eternal life and forgiveness of sins, it's only through Christ. So Timothy, preach Christ, preach the word. The reason people need sound teaching is because it keeps them from turning away as verse four says it, it keeps them focused. I just happened to watch uh, a documentary on Warren Buffett. Kind of an interesting documentary, but he, he tells a story about when uh, he met with Bill Gates for the first time, and it was actually Bill Gates Sr., Bill Gates' father, who asked Warren and Bill as they met for the first time, he asked them to write down on a piece of paper uh, one word that described them or help them the most. And uh, Buffett telling the story says, Bill and I, without any collaboration, both wrote the word focus. I thought that was really interesting. It's a good word for us as Christians. Focus. We're to keep the main thing the main thing. Keep it simple. Just, just major on the things that the Lord has given us. Focus on the basics. Focus on getting the word out. Be good at that. And that keeps us from fads and misfocus and misemphasis. The proclamation of the Word of God, the message of God, must be elevated and prioritized. Gene Apple tells a great story about a family that was vacationing uh, at the lake one summer and Dad had been puttering out uh, at the boathouse and two of his sons, a 12-year-old and a 3-year-old, were down playing along the dock. And the 12-year-old was supposed to be watching his little brother, but he got, must have gotten distracted. And the 3-year-old, little Billy, thought that it would be a good time to check out the shiny aluminum 
fishing boat tied up at the end of the dock. And so he went to the dock. He put one foot on the boat, one foot on the dock, lost his balance, fell into the water, which was about five or six feet deep. The splash alerted the 12-year-old who let out a piercing scream. Dad came running from the boathouse, jumped into the water, swam down, but unable to see anything, came back up gasping for air. Sick with panic, he lunges down again in the murky water and is feeling everywhere around the bottom, trying to find his three-year-old, can't feel anything. Finally, on his way up, he felt little Billy's arms locked in a death grip or on one of the posts of the dock, which is about four feet underwater. Prying the boy's fingers loose, they burst up together through the surface to fill their lungs with some oxygen. And finally, when the adrenaline had stopped surging and nerves calmed a bit, the father asked his son, what on earth were you doing down there hanging onto the post?" so far under the water. And little Billy's answer was classic. He said, I was just waiting for you, Dad. Just waiting for you. (laughs) Friends, our Lord, our Savior, has has sent us on a, a rescue mission. And believe it or not, it's far more important than, than saving lives. It has to do with saving souls. It's a commission. It's a word. So Timothy, preach the word. It's what people need. They need Christ. The world needs Christ. Get them Christ. Communicate the word. You've been sent on a rescue mission. I love the great Baptist Charles Spurgeon. If you have no wish for others to be saved, then you are not saved yourself. You can be sure of that. Church, let's remember we have been given orders, marching orders. Timothy preached the word. I'll just close with a story. Donald Gray Barnhouse was one of the best preachers of a number of generations ago. He pastored what was probably one of the most famous churches in America in its heyday, 10th Presbyterian Church for 200 plus years they've been around in Philadelphia. Uh, Barnhouse was one of the first preachers to go on the radio, and during that time he told a story. This is back in the 1950s, CBS radio. And Dr. Barnhouse said this. It's, it's so classic. He said, if Satan took over Philadelphia, his most diabolical ploy would be this. All the bars would be closed. All pornography would be banished. All the streets of Philly would be clean and filled with polite, law-abiding citizens who smiled at each other. All swearing would be gone. All the children would say, yes, sir. No, ma'am. And all the churches would be filled to overflowing to the point that there'd be no more room, not even for one more Philadelphian to even fit into a pew in this vast city. And the deadly, diabolical danger, Barnhouse said, would be this. And it would be Satan's schemes at its most strategic point. In all of these churches, Christ would never be preached. There would be religion without Christ. There would be preaching without Christ. There would be morality without Christ. There would be the gospel 
without Christ. In short, you'd have Christianity without Christ. But Highlands, I just want to commend to you and charge you to continue to preach the promised Christ. Preach the virgin birth of Christ. Preach the ministry of Christ. Preach the miracles of Christ. Preach the teachings of Christ. Preach the death of Christ. Preach the resurrection of Christ. Preach the glory of Christ. Preach the return of Christ. Preach the rule of Christ in His coming kingdom. Preach the judgment of Christ. Preach the person of Christ and preach the work of Christ. This is the topic of preaching and the subject of preaching. Folks, we have nothing else to say. Woe to us if we don't preach the gospel. And our solemn privilege is to preach and exalt and like John the Baptist say, hey, can I have your attention? Can I have your attention? Look at Christ. Look to Him. There will always be a tendency for the church to go towards hobby horses and fads. There will always be, for you and me, a tendency towards misfocus. The problem has always been misfocus and misemphasis, and the solution has always been the clear teaching of God's Word and the lifting up of Christ. So Highlands, keep preaching the Word. Keep preaching Christ. We are in this together, as Paul says in Philippians 1, side by side for the faith of the gospel. It's exactly what the world needs. It's exactly what the church needs. Amen? I want to invite you, if you've not trusted Christ, to to do that now. You need to know you are in a, a perilous situation if you've not given your heart and your life to Christ. You actually have no hope whatsoever. You are on sinking sand And it's about to get utterly miserable for you if you're not attached to Christ. So I I implore you to trust Christ now. Trust Him today. Look to Him by faith and uh, give your life and your heart to Him.